All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is another edition, another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona, and Stephen Marsh, my co-host from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, uh, seems like I just talked to you about an hour ago. <laughs> it seems seems that way. Yes, we were we were doing our NHL shows that we'll be doing and. And now we're going to be doing some club hockey talk here for the next uh, hour. So a lot of hockey, a lot of hockey discussion here this evening. Can't can't be uh, upset with that. You know what? And uh, back in April when we started doing shows together, we said, "What are we going to talk about all summer long?" Ah, uh, I guess that wasn't a problem, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, so Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is our show where we talk ACHA hockey. Um, everybody's wondering what in the world's going on with uh, the COVID. How is it affecting ACHA hockey? How is it affecting NCAA hockey? We see what's happening in the NHL, and you and I talked about this on the NHL um, special podcast earlier, that the NHL has done a fantastic job of uh, corralling and um, basically eliminating COVID, at least in the bubble. So uh, it can be done. I'm sure that every team and every conference and everybody that uh, is a citizen of the world is trying to figure out how to uh, avoid this stuff. But um, we talked to, you know, about a month ago with uh, the WCHL commissioner, Chris Perry, and, and he was concerned, obviously, as to what was going to happen. But one of the things we talked about was some teams are, are already making the decision not to play in the fall. Other teams are going right ahead with their schedule. Um, you know, I just saw on, uh, I think it was on Facebook, that some of the UNLV guys were doing a little uh, summer camp type stuff uh, up at Sobe, Pepsi Ice Arena, as they call it now. Um, so your thoughts on, on just the, the plans as to what's going to happen here? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's August now, and uh, training camp uh, for development camp for, for UNLV at least is, is scheduled. It's supposed to take place later this month, and, you know, the golf tournament for, for UNLV is, is later this month. Um, I'm sure the other schools are that are going to be playing are – Starting think getting ready for the the season. If, if we're already in August, the the ACHA season typically starts and is scheduled to start in September, and that's like uh, towards the end of September. So it's still a little ways away, but uh, it'll be here sooner than we know it. And, and I think we're starting to get more of an idea of how things might look for the season. Um, and we're seeing it's the other sports too with the conferences of the uh, other major sports. And I know I always go back to that, but you kind of look at that maybe as kind of a, a model because they said just kind of said they'd kind of look at that and how the NCAA stuff goes. And then they kind of based off that, how the schools are going to do, you know, what the school availability is going to be for on campus or if it be online and everything like that. And we're starting to see more conferences go to a conference only schedule, reduced schedule a little bit, the Mountain West conference, which, you know, be football and the, and the fall sports, NCA sports are in. Um, they just announced the football will be a conference, uh, ten schedule, ten team schedule, uh, uh, ten game schedule with uh, eight conference games, two non conference games, and then the rest of the fall sports that that uh, that are in the Mountain West, they're going to do a conference only schedule. So that's kind of what we're seeing with everything going at the NCA level. It seems like most uh, uh, teams we did see actually the first uh, FBS school, that's the Division One colleges, so to speak, uh, for football school, UConn. 
is not going to play this season. They're not going to play um, this season. So that's kind of the first of that. So, and we've, we we talked about in hockey, we've seen some teams that are not going to be able to play in the fall as well. So, um, well, so we're kind of seeing things shape up. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on with hockey and what I've seen is, uh, as you know, I took a little tour um, up to see my grandson and daughter and son-in-law and, and other son in uh, in Minnesota. And uh, as I made the trip up there, uh, I made a point of stopping and checking in on as many arenas as I could just to kind of compare notes as to where they were now and mostly NCAA stuff. But I also checked in with um, – the, the guys over in Dubuque uh, in the USHL because they were putting on a camp uh, last week at this time. And um, I checked with a friend of mine who was uh, the general manager with the Fargo Force of the USHL. They had over 250 kids um, for a, over a week-long period in Fargo. So I asked the guys in, in Dubuque, I said, what's your plan? And they said, well, um, we're planning on going starting as normal. Uh, and unless something changes, well, we can't. So uh, on that fact, it, you know, that's that's USHL, which is, you know, just a step below college uh, junior league. So uh, interesting how everybody's kind of picking up their own dynamic and, and what they're going to do. Um, so, you know, I guess we really don't know what's going to happen. But one thing you can say with the uh, ACHA programs other than, you know, basically UNLV and, and ASU down here, or I'm sorry, U of A, um, there's, they have a lot of fans, but for the most part, you can social distance uh, in most club, uh, and I hate to use that term because I know everybody hates it, most ACHA programs are able to social distance if they wanted to have fans. But the other thing part of it, Stephen, is the, uh, the fundraiser part of it because these guys pay to play and, um, you know, they, they, they want to, if they're going to pay, they want to get their money's worth, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and UNLV benefits from having great, 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 uh, crowds at their games and, and, uh, Arizona, um, I'm sure as you, as you know, as you go to their games regularly, they, they get a good crowds on occasion on re- regular occasion as well. And for their games and it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an added bonus. I mean, uh, it may not be. And for some schools, that may not be the, the driving force of, of teams. I'm sure every team would love to have more people, but for some schools, obviously, they don't get the, the support, but they still play and can get good fundraising, other opportunities, maybe have better donors or more money coming in other ways. But but uh, for a school like UNLV and Arizona, they certainly rely a lot on that, and it'll be a bummer if, if they won't be able to have at least fans in the, in the, in the stands to begin with. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the ACHA, though, they've come out recently with some news. Um, you know, we've, the update is basically everything is still kind of going forth. But, you know, they put out some guidelines that that uh, universities, as we talked about, a lot of it is going to depend on the, the individual uh, schools, colleges and universities. But now we're at the point where the, the teams have to declare whether they're going to start declaring whether they're going to be able to play uh, this season or not. So I, I think as we go along the next month or so or next few weeks, I think we're really going to get a good idea of, of where things are going to stand um, and the, what the protocols are going to be. I mean, I can read this thing that they, they put out. One thing that did come from, from the update is the, uh, which we talked about is um, the national tournament, which they've, they've decided to push back a little bit, which was usually in March. They're going to push that back to April. So that leaves some flexibility. I guess the idea would be to leave some, some extra time in the spring 
um, to make up some games. If some teams can't play certain games in the fall, maybe they can pl- make them up and play a few extra games in the spring to make up for that. So, um, so that's so that's one thing that's kind of a change is the national tournament now pushed to I believe I have it here April fifteenth through the twentieth, which is supposed to be a New England area and Boston area. It was originally going to be in March. Sure. Now they pushed it to April, which which Chris Perry was on and said that they could do that, and they obviously decided to vote. And, and so, so what you're telling me is that if the uh, NCAA stays where they're at, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh for that and just stay on the East Coast for another two weeks, and I might as well plan on being there a month. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? You didn't get to couldn't do any traveling this year, so you got to go for it next year. <laughs> yeah, uh, I say that in jest, folks, but uh, you know, like I said. Uh, what, what we're finding out right now is testing and uh, contact tracing, all those things are the key to this uh, whole COVID thing. And you know, a lot of teams uh, are dealing with it, but the problem with it is, is the cost. So can, you know, can the universities and such bring the cost down to, to make it safe? There's so many variables. Um, th- that's a whole nother topic. So we'll get off of that right now, but tonight we have a special guest coming on. We've got the head coach, from the uh, University of Arizona, Chad Berman, joining us. And I know he's been out, as everybody has heard me say all summer long, uh, this is the most fun I've had covering uh, hockey in the desert southwest because everybody is so competitive. I mean, the ACHA clubs, as I've been joking about, are in an arms race, it seems like, to see who can win that national championship first. Uh, it, it shows in recruiting. It shows in scheduling all of those things. So we'll, we'll dig into Coach Berman and see how much we can get out of him as far as what he's got for a, a roster and recruits and all of that good stuff. And uh, last week we had uh, Tate Green on from ASU, and we had a chance to visit with him about what his plans were. And, of course, he was kind of mum because uh, ASU is not letting them say a whole lot right now. But um, I could tell by the way he was talking that he was planning on – having a season if at all possible. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's where we're at. So we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Coach Berman here in just a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk some uh, University of Arizona Wildcat hockey and more ACHA hockey on Club Hockey Southwest Weekly in about three minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with Summer Skates. Officially licensed Summer Skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your Summer Skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of Summer Skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. 
M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. Refine your prime with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long workday. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. Another uh, episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy with you still in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Stephen Marsh from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Stephen, before we bring on Coach uh, Coach Berman, tell me a little bit about Las Vegas. How are things going up there? How's the weather? Uh, uh, you know, all the hockey rinks being built and all that good stuff. And we saw a great little video that was shot up at the Pepsi Arena with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and uh, Mark Stone. So uh, how's Vegas? Yeah, Vegas uh, seems to be doing doing okay. I mean, the Strip, uh, people are coming here. I mean, I was down on the Strip the other night driving and a little bit, and it was seemed like there was a lot of cars out, and, you know, people were, were walking up and down the Strip. I mean, for, for it was a Tuesday night I did it. It was, didn't seem, or Monday, it didn't seem to be that busy, but it usually isn't that busy on a Tuesday. But it uh, seems to be doing doing pretty well. Um, yeah, everything is going well. As I mentioned, uh, news came down about uh, – for UNLV, at least for what they they came out of the thing about uh, their football and their athletics for uh, where their things stand right now, and and uh, as I mentioned, they they're going to play uh, five games at Allegiant Stadium. I'm just looking at what they announced here today. Um, they're going to do eight, eight eight conference games, to, uh, two non option to do two non conference games. Uh, they still don't know about how many fans will be able to attend games uh, inside Allegiant Stadium. Now, what's interesting is the Raiders uh, announced. They're going to do the 2020 season with no nobody in the stands, um, you know. So th- that's one thing there, and, and and you wonder if UNLV will be able to have fans, and then you know how that affects UNLV hockey. You know, I mean, they don't get quite as many people as obviously the football or or the fall sports, but um, it, if if the UNLV decides that you know not to be able to do any fans, I mean, what the regulations right now, if they stay in place for another couple months, it's the probably won't be able to. But um, you know. The COVID situation, it's it's you know it's like a lot of places. It's kind of just kind of staying steady. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we've, 
the the death rate has gone up a little bit, but uh, it seems like the the cases have gone down some, or at least they're not going up as much as they were for a period there. So uh, that maybe seems like a, a, a good thing there. And and um, you know the, the schools are getting ready to go back at, at the end of this month. Hard to believe, and, and they're going to be starting virtually the uh, school district for the elementary, middle, high school kids. So um, so they're going to start online. They're not going to be in the classroom. So. Um, I guess that's kind of the latest here, but the weather's hot. Weather's hot, and uh, and that's one thing <laughs> I know. It's the hot. desert southwest. <laughs> desert southwest. I've lived here a while, I should know, and never quite get used to it. Uh, but uh, but but as I said, the flip side of that is we get eight nine months of really nice weather when everybody's freezing and cold and digging snow. We get to sixties and fifties, and you know we'll, we get cold, but our cold is like what thirties and twenties, and that gets cold right. for us. But that's only that's only a short period of time. The rest of the year, it's it's really nice, so we can put up with a few months of heat. Well, what I will tell you is, uh, as I was mentioning earlier in the open, that I did uh, travel and see some marinas, and construction is not only going on in Vegas, but construction also going on on a new uh, on-campus facility at Colorado College, which I was able to stop by and take a look at. And uh, I'd never been to Colorado College, the actual campus. I've been to Colorado Springs many times, but um, – Wow, what a what a neat facility and neat campus that's going to be when that uh, is built and up and up and going. So, uh, lots lots of stuff that really never halted. And, and we talked about this on the uh, the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Show as well last week uh, or yesterday. Um, was that most people thought this was going to hurt hockey, but it's actually helped hockey if that can be i don't know if it's helped but it's it hasn't hurt it in the fact that ncaa hockey now has two new teams that they didn't have before uh in liu and in uh, the university of st thomas in minnesota so added um teams to their their group uh now they're 62 in ncaa hockey uh, acha has continued to uh, to go on with what uh what they've planned, like I said, and even the teams that have said maybe we can't play in the fall uh, have a plan to come back in, in the spring. So, you know, it hasn't really hurt us, and certainly the construction hasn't stopped, and Arizona State, of course, is waiting to get the ground broken on their facility, which should happen sometime in November, we're being told right now. So that's exciting. Um, and, and, you know, as we talk right now, I've got NHL hockey on in front of me, and it couldn't have been – better i don't think i mean this is exactly what we all needed was to watch six hockey games a day right right yes uh we didn't have uh, march madness uh with college basketball you know where you sit from like 9 a.m to that's which is what the benefit we have out here on the west coast 9 a.m to about eight or nine at night watching games uh we're getting that now with with hockey and uh six games uh, a day uh six or five games a day starting at 9 a.m and Going all the way till about ten o'clock at night, so um, <laughs> that's certainly not a bad thing, and and it's certainly um, you know I, I, that was one thing we, we missed, of course, was was the live sports during during the whole COVID thing, which you know obviously we want to make sure everybody was was health and safety, and we could do this safely, and obviously the NHL has been able to to do it do it so far and, and do it well, and, and and basketball as well, and the NBA and. And uh, you know, baseball were trying, and, and they're talking along, even though they had a couple little outbreaks uh, with a couple of the teams. But they're committed to still try to get the season in. And then football, you know, NFL, we're wondering how that will look. And 
obviously the college football. Well, I, heard, I heard something on NFL football in Vegas. They have a brand new completed 65,000 seat arena or a stadium that won't have yeah. any fans the entire year. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, that's, that's sad. That's the bummer. That part is that's, sad. I know that's the bummer because uh, you look at that and, and, and the Raiders, you're going to be this for their first season and their new stadium. It's uh it's brand new. And the, uh, the, the owner and the team made the tough decision not to have fans. Now, a lot of people why wonder well, why, if, if you can do 25%, um, you know, why don't you just do a 25%? At least you can get some people in there. Well, Mark Davis is thinking, he's the owner of the Raiders. He, you know, his thinking was, well, how do I tell 25% of my PSL, which is, you know, let's see you on a seat, of course, in the stadium or live season tickets. Well, you can go to this game, but we, you know, it could be able to go to this game. And it just didn't want to hurt anybody. And they already had decided that the first eight rows of NFL stadiums were going to be covered up with advertising, you know, not, you know, to give more distance between the, the teams and the fans. And, um, you know, Mark Davis was like, well, if I can't have everybody in the stands, then we're not going to do anybody because, you know, how do you how do you differentiate how, who, who gets to go to what games and who can go to this game and that well, game and, and stuff I, like I know, that. So, I know how you do it in hockey. I know how you do it in hockey. You bring on Coach Chad Berman from the University of Arizona and you put him in the front row. That's what you do. Uh, Coach Berman, <laughs> you got, right. you got Scott, Scott and Steven with you tonight. How are you? Good, yeah. T- people definitely stay ten feet away if I'm if I'm there for sure. <laughs> uh, well, you know, since the last time we talked, uh, nothing's changed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Except we do know one thing is that the University of Arizona and UNLV and ASU and Grand Canyon uh, University continue to uh, to build their rosters in hopes of a season. Tell us a little bit about where you're at right now or what you can tell us right now with your program um you know i'm we're trying to exercise what we preach to our players and focus on what we can control and um you know i know um in talking with our guys everybody's putting in the work and uh you know that's kind of what we stress right now is what we can control is our our training and our preparation um and we've kind of viewed this as a race to get to see who can get the strongest who can get a little quicker um I think the team that can win that battle will be in a good position when this eventually unfolds and we can play hockey again. But um, same for me. You know, we're, we're refining our last pieces of recruiting. I think we're in a bit of a stall right now until everybody kind of fully understands what the next steps are going to be. But uh, we feel good about what we have as far as a roster and, and where our guys are at. And, uh, I mean, when you hear Matthew Hall's put on 20 pounds, that's that's a good sign when your top guys are, are putting in the work. That's a good sign. So, it's, it seems like there's a good buy-in, and we're kind of just itching to get at it. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you're probably just like the rest of us, and, and you were excited to see August 1st roll around when hockey actually happened in the NHL. But more importantly, um, we've, we've kind of beat this one uh, just down to nothing, but uh, the job the NHL has done with containing and, and maintaining an environment that is COVID-free it's got to be exciting for you too, as a as a hockey coach, to know that it can be done in some sort of fashion, right? Well, I think it makes me proud to be a hockey player. I like I've always said what makes me the most proud of our sport is our culture in general. Um, you know, and like, look, I think the plan was good. It's obviously, baseball suffering from not taking a similar plan right now. Uh, I think the NHL's plan was good. It's isolated. It's focused on hockey and, you know, for a couple of months and they can move on here. But um, ultimately, you need the players to buy in and, um, 
and to agree that, you know, it's, I think the kids who go out and get COVID, they have to understand they're not just affecting themselves and uh, their teammates. And uh, I'm a Tigers fan. They're supposed to play the Cardinals this week. They're not even able to play. So it affects the other teams. I think everybody's got to understand, <laughs> right. you know, that that's how that, that it matters and it affects everybody. So it's been great to see uh, the NHL guys buy in. It's been entertaining to watch. I got to tell you, Libby, it's not all great. When you're a Red Wings fan, this is the biggest tease you could possibly have. <laughs> I, was waiting, the, I, I had my stopwatch on to see how long it would yeah. be until we got that in there. <laughs> Man, and then and then they go to you know make sure we get the fourth pick in the draft on top of it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. Definitely, I mean, it's been you see the superstar players, the Crosbys and the McDavid's, to see them doing what they're doing right now is it's pretty impressive. All right, I'm going to let Stephen jump in in just a minute here. But, Coach, I took a little tour uh, up to see my grandson and daughter and son-in-law in Minnesota last week and made it a two-week trip. I called it a working vacation because I stopped to see every uh, acquaintance in hockey that I knew between here and uh, Minnesota and back and, and took a look at arenas and, and visited in uh, with, the, with some of the people. And uh, the one thing that everybody kept telling me was they expected that hockey would take a hit with the pandemic. But instead, LIU makes an announcement that they're going to come on board as an NCAA program. University of St. Thomas made the jump to, from Division Three to Division One, So the NCAA program gained two teams during the pandemic, and arenas keep being built. I saw the uh, construction at Colorado College. Um, I, I saw the plans that are happening for Arizona State. So uh, are you surprised at that, or did you think that that – that would just continue on anyway because, um, you know, we talk about the one here at Arizona State being being something that's a positive in the pandemic because it's going to put people to work and, you know, it's going to be a, a profit maker for the university ultimately because it's going to host more than hockey. It's going to be a multi-purpose facility. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in any adversity. There's going to be opportunities, and so it's great to see um, opportunities being exercised, but – uh, I think it says a lot about the sport and the game and the growth, and not only the growth, but that it's, you know, it's one thing to start Division One hockey and AHL hockey out here, but for it to stick is a better sign, and um, I think that tells me people are looking at the big picture plans uh, and expecting hockey to be a part of that moving forward. I think, you know, times like these, there's going to be a, a temporary setback and temporary challenges and um, inconveniences, but at the end of the day, it's a small part of our fraction of our lives. And once we get through it, uh, it'll be behind us. And, and, and again, hopefully that's a good sign for hockey. And it does, you know, it does surprise me, but you know, my dad, he's opening a restaurant right now in the state of Michigan. I think he's crazy. You know, like <laughs> I, I don't, you just, you see stuff like that. And it's like, okay, if they're doing something, maybe something's going on. So, um, yeah, I just hope, hope for the best. All right, Steven, fire away. Sure. Uh, Coach Berman, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about what's coming up uh, this season and when we, we, you know, we keep talking about COVID and that's where, where everything's at still. And I guess I just, I guess, you know, as you were preparing for this season and, and with COVID still being a big, we, we're still a lot of uncertainty about what, I guess, what do you envision how this season's going to play out? I mean, as, as, a, as, a, as, as a coach of a team and, and what, you've, what you feel like, you know, with, with, you know, behind the scenes and making sure players are going to stay safe. If, if there is the season does start on time, if there's any delays, uh, I mean, 
this has got to be a learning experience for you too to have to to go through something like this as a coach and 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 then how you're dealing with that and and, and preparing uh, for this what could be a very interesting season in that regard sure um you know i listen to a lot of speakers uh, i always am trying to challenge and better myself and something i've learned over the last few years is um i think people as a whole tend to I mean, the fact of the matter is there's nothing certain in this life, um, and, and things like this are a great reminder. And so, to me, the people who are able to change, adapt, and anticipate these changes and go with the flow of the river instead of fighting it um, are the ones who are most successful. So, you know, I could sit here and bang my head off the wall because it sounds like, you know, there could be a January start and I could freak out, but it's like I don't control that. What I do control is um, if January is the start date, um, my team's going to be as prepared as possible on the ice, off the ice. Uh, what, what should be a, would be a really interesting race to prepare, uh, you know, a team in three-month stretch here or four-month stretch. You know, and that, at the end of the day, that's, that's all we can do. So um, I, I would uh, – my players would see through me if I didn't live what I tell them. So um, it's important that I set that example. So we try to focus on that and – Wait for the time where they tell us we get the get to drop the puck, and when we do, we'll be ready to go. Coach, you know when I think about all the scenarios, um, and we've already talked about the uh, the national tournament being moved back to April, as uh, I guess in anticipation of um, trying to buy a little more time, if that's uh, a term I can use. But the, the ones I think it's the hardest for the guys like the Bailey Marshalls and and the Cusinellis and, and the guys that are getting this last opportunity, this last hurrah, uh, it really hurts me to the core to think about what they might be missing or could possibly miss. So uh, how do you deal with that as a coach and, and knowing what they're going through and, and how, uh, you know, how excited they are to have a shot at a national championship? Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things that rung in my ear when the season ended, I was talking with Coos uh, about it. Um, and he's, you know, he just said it sucks because, you know, when Coos came here, I said, Coos, I'm going to do everything in my power if you come here um, to make sure you live with a great opportunity now, not in the future. And so, you know, when it happened at the end of the year, one thing he said, and it rung in my ear, he just said, you know, this sucks. Uh, that's one less shot at our ring. And, and you know, I guess on one hand, it's great to see we're all focused on, on the what's at hand, but you certainly feel like, you know, addressing my seniors last year in the locker room, that's about as hard as it gets because it's not fair. It's not right. They did everything right. We, we felt like we were playing good hockey. They were feeling like they could leave the program here on a high note, and it just kind of got swept away. And then now here you go. We don't know what direction this is going to go, and, and certainly you feel for – for those guys, um, you know, I don't want to lose the window of having a Cousinelli and a Marshall. Uh, you know, we got another crack at that. We'd like to take advantage of that. Those those kind of duos don't come around often. Uh, and so, you know, you feel for those guys, but the best we can do is keep them positive and focus on what they can control. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> sooner than later we get to we get to see it because we, we really like our team. We, we like what's returning. We really like what we're bringing in. And, uh, you know, and, and that's about all we can handle right now. You know, Stephen and I have talked uh, all summer about what we were going to talk about on the show, and we've really had no problem finding topics because it seems to be uh, moving along all the time. But um, 
the other thing is, you know, and I said this before, is that, it, and you've known me now for a number of years, but when I started this, I thought, how crazy am I to try to do this type of business? And then I thought, kind of like what you're doing. I, I just kind of rolled with it and I said, hey, I got to adapt. I got to move on. And, and the growth that I've seen, but this might be the most excited I've ever been for hockey at every level. Because I think uh, in the Desert Southwest, our NHL, our AHL, our NCAA team, and certainly our ACHA teams are um, as competitive as we're probably ever going to see. Because I don't know that uh, – and I guess that's part of getting on the ice too, but just seeing excitement. So tell me what it's been like in the summertime when you, you know, you're recruiting guys, but you're also seeing other teams recruit – um, you use that phrase a lot to me. You tell me that uh, a high tide rises all ships, and I'm sure you still believe that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm seeing what UNLV is doing. Um, it's that's really nothing new. Um, they always bring in high end talent. So, um, you know, ASU promotes less. So you don't always have a good grip on that, but you know, they've got a good group returning, and it's not going to take many pieces for them to take that next step. Uh, and, and that uh, pesky one between the pipes will be back as well, who we seem to struggle with at times. So, um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, it is fun, it's fun to see. I think it's great for all of us, as we've said before. It's, um, you know, like we don't have to travel that far to play top 10 teams anymore, and I think that says a lot about, about all of us here. I mean, I, I'm sure the season ended, and ASU, UNLV, all of us are looking at each other in a rat race here to see who can get the next best players, who can get a little better over the summer. And um, man, it would be boring without that. So um, I certainly appreciate it, and, and appreciate what the the games provided me from experiences and relationships. And um, you know, you talked about it. Why do, why do we keep doing this stuff? It's it's the relationships. You know, um, I actually was talking to an alumni today. He's like, "Why are you putting up with this and not moving on to a different job?" Uh, with all this going on, it's like because you build relationships with people like this, and you want to reward them with a with a great uh, you know a great experience, a great program. Uh, you know, I'd love to win a national championship and, and pass it on to our alumni and say, you know, look what we did. So um, there's just something about this game, and you know it too. You're doing the same thing. You know, it's just contagious to be around. And um, you know, John Hogan's a good example. He was a player here, a coach. That John could go work for his dad tomorrow and make a heck of a lot more money um doing that but he got the he got the bug and once you start doing this stuff it's uh <laughs> it's tough to get out of your system he got the bug and he took and ran with it because uh, the program yeah. that he's putting on down there is pretty nice but uh yeah, absolutely uh so so let me kind of follow this up I, I know i'm leaving steven out in the cold here for a minute but <laughs> let me uh let me run with this a minute and say uh i would know, take I, some cold right now in this uh, 110 degree heat <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> hey, I can get you a summer skates koozie to put it in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a shameless plug there. Uh, but, nice. you know, what I was talking about, uh, Coach, was um, I'm losing my train of thought here now because I'm babbling on. But uh, <laughs> and what, as we were talking about what's going on with the summertime and, and all these different things and, and losing things, and, and you guys just keep plugging along. But your university has become a leader in stopping this COVID. Um they jumped up right in front and said, we're going to come up with a way of testing and contact tracing. So first of all, how proud of you are your university for stepping up? And second of all, can you tell us anything about where they're at right now as far as uh, plans on starting school or going online or what's, what's the latest? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly it's good to see that, uh, you know, we're taking it seriously. There's a lot of, you know, mixed politics out there. At the end of the day, we, if we could all just kind of cooperate, I think we could keep the economy flowing and, and hopefully get through this the best we can until there's, you know, another uh, alternative as far as a vaccine or something. So it's great to see the university taking it seriously and taking all precautions. Um, you know, talk is cheap. You have to show that you care about your students and it's not just about the tuition dollars. And so, um, I hope, uh, you know, I hope that's a great sign of that. And, you know, um, it's uh, sorry. What was the back half of your question? I, I said, do you know update for us as far as what uh, uh, the university is yeah. going to do as far as classes in the fall? They're starting online, uh, and I think the hope or the plan would be to start slowly uh, fading into on campus. And so I think it's kind of a mixed breed right now. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's probably ten contingency plans like everybody else. Okay, Stephen, you're back in from the cold. <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> um, no, I, one thing I was talking about on the uh, – we, we're doing the special shows for the uh, NHL uh, qualifying series, and I, one of the things I noticed uh, at the uh, – we had a first series uh, complete the other uh, yesterday, the other day was Carolina and uh, the Rangers. And one thing I noticed is – the uh, one thing I was wondering about was what the handshakes were going to – handshake line was going to look like with, you know, COVID not wanting to do handshakes and everything – and obviously, one thing that's so huge in the college level, and certainly at the, the the club hockey level, is the after every series, the teams do the handshakes at the end of the series. Well, this the the the, the two teams in that series, they did fist pumps. Would you imagine that that might be how things go about this season, where a series ends, it might be fist pumps and elbow pumps with the other teams instead of handshakes, just because of everything with with trying to keep yourself sanitary and and safe and everything like that. Yeah, actually, it's funny. It seems like 10 years ago, but that already started in the ACHA. So before things got shut down, I was watching uh, Lindenwood in Illinois play that marathon game until like 4 in the morning. Um, and I just kept watching and watching. And at the end of the game, they ended up fist pumping uh, gloves on as things were kind of picking up. So, um, yeah, I imagine that would be the protocol, if anything at all, and hopefully, hopefully something, because I think it's an important part. Uh, of the process, but uh, yeah, it's uh, funny you say that. We, they started doing that before this all got shut down. Okay, Coach, so we, we know that the national tournament has been moved back. Um, your thoughts on that? Was that a good move? Were you in favor of that, uh, knowing the circumstances as you do? I, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it maximizes the chances of us uh, being able to complete the season, and, and to me, that's really important. I don't, I don't know what other people view of it, but I, I'm not interested in just like starting too early and it backfiring to me is the worst case scenario. So I want to make sure we're smart about when we start and that when we do, we're confident we can move forward safely and effectively. Um, there's going to be cases, but you don't want any major spikes, obviously. Um, but to me, like if we can't finish, if there can't be a conference champion, if there can't be a national champion, um, I think it loses some of the incentive to, for the reason of doing it. And, and so I want to make sure we're sure. And so by moving it back a month, if that, maximizes the chances of us being able to slide in more games to have, um, you know, like, let's face it, let's say this thing starts in January, the, the sample size for rankings is going to be very small. So if that gets us an extra three weekends, let's say six games, eight games, um, I think that's a big deal. So I like the forward thinking. I like the preparation for, for what we hope, you know, doesn't become an issue. But at the same time, uh, I think that gives us the best chance of, of completing this thing. Yeah, that was my my question. Is uh, you know when you look about the schedule, and you know right now the plans to still start the season what late September, October, depending on what teams usually start, and you know there's going to be teams that 
aren't going to to play maybe in the fall, but they can play in the spring. Other teams are going to play in the fall. I guess where do you kind of feel like the competitive balance is going to be, and what what does what do you feel like it would take for it to be like a, um, a, a like a legitimate season, like like where you feel like it's you know teams have played adequate number of games to adequately contend for a, a get a spot in the tournament. And I guess the other follow-up to that would be your schedule and, and how is that looking for for season. Obviously, there's still some question marks to be answered regarding who you might play and when games could take place. But, I mean, just maybe touch on those subjects if you can. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as far as scheduling, you know, if you, if you by moving it back a month, you're also opening up a month. So hopefully you can swing back some of those games that um, might not count in the beginning of the year and you hope you can apply them at the end there. Um I think you want to definitely play your conference games. I think that's important, and that also keeps your travel more regionalized, which which is part of that process. Um, and so I think there's value in all that. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I I personally would be surprised if we're if we're playing before January. I would love it. I would uh, it would be great. Um, but I get, I just get the sense more and more schools are starting to go that direction. And um, you know, I've had a pretty good grip on this thing as it moves forward. I just think when you run into liability decisions, you're basically asking somebody to make a decision that they can't afford to be wrong about. Um, and that's just the reality of this decision for multiple universities. So when you add the, you know, the multitude of the elements, um, I just I find it difficult. I'm hoping for the best and certainly uh, hope it happens. But, I mean, if it does, we just got to adapt. And to me, if we can still compete, um, how, how do you do it? It's probably going to have to do a combination of like a, a computer ranking and probably a committee vote because you, I don't think just relying on that's a good idea. I don't, I don't think anybody thinks the coaches' polls are real effective um, because they're obviously a popularity contest. So I think we're just going to have to get creative and find a way to, like all these sports are, you see baseball's adjusting on the fly. You got the uh, different rules here and there. It's, it's just kind of part of the process. You have to adapt and um, if it if it allows our guys to uh, get in a season, if it allows our seniors to finish the way they should, um, have a run in a conference championship, have a run in a national championship, uh, and conclude it uh, on their terms, I'm all for it. To to me too. Also, I think I don't know. Maybe you you can answer this too. Is to me, it seems like it would be kind of unfair. I was talking about the the Raiders situation where they're not going to have fans in the stands, and talking about the well, why don't we just do 25 percent and then you know. And then Mark Davis was like, well, you know, you can't have – you can go to this game and how do you determine who's going to go to what game? I feel like it would be kind of similar in this regard. Like, say some teams can't play till January. They say, okay, I'm not going to play till January. And then some teams are going to have the benefit of starting their season in the fall and playing a, more of a full full season. To me, it seems like – it doesn't seem like it would be the, – the, the fairness would be there. I think either you're going to have – everybody needs to start at the same time, whether it be in the fall or in the spring. I mean, I don't I don't know. But what, what are you feeling about that, like where you feel like everybody should – let's say if more teams are saying we can't play the fall, let's just say, you know what, everybody just needs to, to start at the same time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm trying to be a little careful here because I know you guys would like to get started. And I also know we play you guys early in January. So the thoughts of you playing my not Jamestown and stuff like that and then me trying to put a team together and get ready for you in two weeks is a bit uh, intimidating, to say the least. So um, certainly I would like a more um, unified approach from the league, um, but ultimately that's not my decision. And, and also who am I to tell teams if they're able and willing uh, to book games? Uh, you know, that's that's their decision. Okay, so, so Coach, let me ask you this. Um, it, when you, uh, you basically look at, what you're doing by moving back and, and maybe starting in January, we all know you're uh, 
your situation with ice down in Tucson, does that help you? You get more <laughs> ice time uh, within the city of Tucson? Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of scenarios that generate more ice for us. So <laughs> that's the best I can answer that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's certainly going to be a challenge. I mean, the, you know, the gem show brings in too much money and not think that that would happen. So, um, you know, we're preparing for many, many different scenarios and backup plans and, um, trying to communicate with the league as best we can and, and, and the facility. And it's tough to communicate with the, with the arena right now because they're going through their own furlough challenges. And, um, you know, we're preparing the best we can for any contingency plans and what it's going to cost and how much we're going to have to raise. And, um, you know, it's just a crazy, crazy – I mean, I had a budget meeting today and it was kind of humorous because it's like there's 300 variables to where this can go. <laughs> I'm not sure what we want to set here. Yeah, you, well, and you know, and you don't know too. You don't know what we with the AHL season is is now planning to start in December too. So you know that that's the thing too. You guys have to work with the AHL team and and, and scheduling right. and stuff. So you so that makes it challenging too. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then the flip side is, you know, what if they don't come back? You know, what does that mean? So you know, I don't know. Okay, well, we've we've left a lot of stuff on the table, so we'll just kind of uh, go right around that, and uh, we'll. I, I don't want you to go without telling us a little bit about those recruits though, because I know you've done a great job recruiting and I don't know how much better you could get than the way you were playing last year towards the uh, time that, that the pause hit, if you want to call it that, but uh, what have you done to add p- potential players to your roster? Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're, yeah, we're gonna, hang on tight. I got a lot of numbers to list at you here. Um, we've, we feel really good about our recruiting class. First and foremost, um, you know, I've had nothing but time in my hands. So I'm at home. Uh, I can tell you a lot of detail about Oh, oh God bless Sarah for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I know I've done my due diligence and we've got a hardworking competitive group that doesn't like to lose or doesn't like to lose at all. Um, and is willing to do the right things, wants to be a part of of something bigger than themselves. And so um, first and foremost, as a a group, I know we have a a good group of people. Um, And then beyond that, we've got a lot of talent coming in too. And I think it's layered well to where we've got some guys who are going to step in and make really important impact immediately and some guys who are, um, you know, future stars. Um, And let's face it, it's a competitive lineup, and that's going to kind of lift the tide for all all our guys. But – Let's see. I think the biggest improvement I could tell you, the biggest change to our team is I, I feel like we've really upgraded our defense. Um, and it's not to say our defense was bad last year, um, but we just we landed on two um, really important impact guys who are going to step in right away. Um, the first one is going to be John Shively. He's a transfer uh, defenseman from Buffalo State uh, Division Three. I'd recruited him back a few years ago. Um, he was on the St. Louis Junior Blues NA3 team that went to the national championship with Hall and Dawson and uh, and Jones. Um, so there's a bit of a connection here and it, and it, and it worked out that, uh, we could get him, but just a, an elite puck moving kid does everything very well. Um, is going to fill a lot of the void that we'll have for Manny Rose stepping out, uh, and graduating. So we're really excited about that. And then, um, not to mention Ryan Fisher, uh, again, if you're bringing in a top two, top four defenseman there easily, uh, two years in the BCHL, um, it was a division one prospect there uh, for a while and, and uh, he's ready for school and, and kind of ready to move on uh, due to some difficult experiences in juniors. But you're talking about a kid with elite puck moving ability, elite feet, just an unbelievable skater. Um, reminds me a lot of like a Quinn Hughes type of guy. I think he can be in this league. 
Um, just, just a very experienced, high hockey IQ. Um, he's going to help us everywhere, including the power play. And uh, we've got a lot of weapons on the power play, so that should be interesting. Uh, so right off the bat, that's those are the two most impact back there. And then um, Kurt Regeer's a kid. He's got a really good stick, great reach. He's a, he's a feisty competitor. He's like an older version of Hedgecoke uh, on our team, Chris Hedgecoke. Just, just, oh. does, just does everything right. You know what I mean? Just simple, hard nose, yes coaching. I'm just really excited about this guy because he's going to be serviceable. We can use him in a lot of roles. Um, he can pair off with an offensive guy uh, and support him underneath. Um, or I could use him in a matchup role, and I can free up my other four uh, if we want. So, you know, it's always great to have a piece like that. Then we got two guys we feel, um, also defensemen here, that have a very, very bright future in our program. Two guys who um, would have easily been in the North American League this year but decided to come to college, um, and Cam Benson and Riley McCauley. Um, Riley McCauley is the son of Wes McCauley, the <laughs> referee in the NHL. I actually talked to Wes before he got sent to the bubble there. Um, and uh, just, uh, you know, Wes was a player at Michigan State. And he's got a lot of that family pedigree. It's a great hockey family. Um, good instincts. He's 6'3", so he's got a lot of length. And we believe as he puts on strength, he, the, the, the sky's the limit here for him because he's a real good skater. Like just all the attributes you want to see out of somebody who's raw. Um, and he's driven. And, and like it doesn't matter if you're not driven. So that's really important. But long reach. Can play a little forward too if we need, but um, prefers defense. Um, very bright future. And then Cam Benson, as I just mentioned, another kid out of Minnesota. Um, if I could sum up Cam Benson, when I recruited Matthew Hall when he was with the Blues NA3, um, that's what he looks like to me. Just somebody who like, oh my gosh, it's not who he is, but who he's going to be. A very, very good skating defenseman. And he's six foot three, probably 170 pounds dripping wet. So if we can get any muscle on this kid with his skating, his hockey IQ, uh, particularly what stood out on film for me, um, was the decision-making he makes under pressure. A lot of defensemen don't like taking heat on their back going into a corner and aren't able to find that outlet and find that quick pass. And he did it pretty routinely. So another kid is just really raw with a, with a high ceiling. Um, and we're talking about depth guys here who, who are ready to step in and, and can take jobs at any moment. So um, that's, that's what we're bringing in on D. Do you need a commercial break or you want me to move on to forward? <laughs> Keep on going, man. We're on a roll. Right. Sounds good. Uh, George Arfanos, um, this is going to be the sleeper of our recruiting class. Uh, the, he, he's everything like – I think every coach would like to add size and speed, and that's everything he brings. He's about 6'1", but he plays bigger. He plays very physical. We'll fill some of that void Westland uh, gave us as far as that grit and physicality. He can play center and wing. He's so fast, so it's hard not to put him at center. And then, and then again, the, on the wing, obviously having speed on the outside is always good. Um, but he's, he's got incredible speed. Um, and I, I, we want that. We're a transition kind of team, kind of similar to what UNLV is doing. They want to get pucks and go. So do we. Um, and he's only going to feed into that. He'll, he'll help us power play, penalty kill, 5-5. Five, five. Um, I can use him in any line, one through three, on center or wing. And, and um, I think as he gains confidence and is puts, get, gets put with the right people, he's got a chance to be a very good player and should make an impact immediately. Um, another guy here, uh, Ryan Heck. Um, Ryan was my first commitment. It was back in February. Um, he's out of Alaska, had spent some time in Colorado. Um, Ryan, uh, at the time last year, this was first semester when I started recruiting him, I was concerned that we had enough bite, um, enough um, 
gosh, enough hunger in our locker room. And so I, I decided at that point, well, I got to make sure I add some more of that. And that's what Ryan is. He's a spark plug type of kid, an elite penalty killer, um, likes to play physical. He's a good skater. He's a pest to play against. Um, you know, Ryan knows what he is. He's not coming here expecting to put up a ton of goals, but he has the ability to certainly add offense to his game. Uh, but makes him great is he just closes gap with his stick, his speed, and his tenacity. And, and to me, you can't have enough guys like that. Though you, you need guys like that to make plays, to make players around them better, kind of like a Dawson Marshall um, and, and a little different version of that. Um, so he's going to bring a lot of that, and another guy is going to really help our penalty kill. We felt like we lost a lot of penalty killers with Plum and Westland and Stallhuth, uh, you know, some important guys in our PK. So I, I really wanted to add another PK guy, and I feel like he's got a chance to be elite in that category. Uh, we'll add some great competition. Um, we got Marquise. Marquise played uh, in the Arizona area there um, with yeah. the Bobcats team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never, I don't mind saying this publicly, I've never been like swept off my feet, so to speak, so quickly by a kid. Um, I was at the point kind of overwhelmed because we, we were having a ton of interest and uh, I was starting to run out of spots and, and he had actually reached out to me with interest, uh, us in a couple schools and, and I'm watching his film and I'm like, geez, this kid's good, but I don't know, like I just, I don't know if I have any spots available. Um, and as always, I try to do my due diligence and, and, and call around and um, talked to his coach there and um, got on the phone. And I tell you, in about two minutes, the kid convinced me um, that he, he was exactly what we want in our program as far as a kid. He, I mean, and he's a good player, obviously, too. Um, just a very mature, um, well-spoken, very certain about what he wants kind of kid. And I love those kind of kids um, because those kind of kids, it's not a matter of them – getting to that next level it's just a matter of when because they're not confusing on what they like a guy like that knows what he wants it's just a matter of me helping him taking the steps to get there that's those are easy players to work with you can't get enough of kids like that um a big body he's like six two six three again he's only 18 years old so he's got a a, a lot of time ahead of him um could have played in the bchl um or the north american league he had multiple teams of his choice in both categories um, but when you talk to him about, well, you know, why do you want to go to school? That's, that's sometimes, to be frank with you, a concern for me here. Why are kids dodging juniors <laughs> to come to school? Like, are you just coming here to dance on the tables and say, you know, I'm in a frat at Arizona because I'm not interested in you if you are. Um, and so you kind of pry at kids like that, and it's a bit of a red flag. And you, and you find out, because um, I want to be a chiropractor, I've got X amount of years, and if I'm going to do that, it means I'm not going to graduate till here. And, you know, I could make a run at Division One and and everything, but I think I'm ready to start that process because I have a whole life ahead of me. And when you hear a kid at that age say that, you're like, I got to work with this kid, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, that's that's low maintenance you call, right? <laughs> yeah, and just, you know, a hardworking kid is going to – and I told him, you know, and yet again, another great response. I told him this is going to be a tough lineup for you to break, not because you're not gonna, uh, a good player um, because we're that deep this year. And, and he, he had that, you know, I appreciate that. I hope to prove you wrong. I mean, what else can you ask for out of a kid – then yeah, come in, come in and make my job hard and prove me wrong. That's what I want you to do. So that's my long-winded question <laughs> answer on Marquise, but certainly excited to add him to our locker room. Um, and then uh, last but not least here is we've got uh, Christopher Fritz, another local kid in that area. I've had a great relationship with Chris over the few, last few years. Um, I was introduced to him by Jeremy Goltz um, at my camp over the summer. Um, Goltz got him to come out, and Goltz was telling him great things about him. 
Um, and so I know the kid very well. So he's an easy one for me to invest in. He's a big kid. Again, he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, um, I challenged him. He was asking me about all these things he could do to get better at hockey. And I'm like, why don't you just, just commit to getting stronger for me? Just put on some muscle because you do, you're going to be a horse. Um, and from what I understand, he's put on 15, 18 pounds in doing so. Um, and he's a, he's a big kid, long reach. Um, what can I do for you kind of guy as well? Um, just wants to be a part of the team. What can I do to help the team? Um, he was the captain of Golds' team that, that won the championship there. Uh, and when you talk to him, you know, it's not like I don't have to convince this guy what we're about here. He understands the history of our program uh, through Golds. It's always been a goal of his to want to be here, and it's really important to me that guys want to be here. I don't believe in convincing people to come here. you got to want to be a part of this, and you got to really want to be a part of it. Um, and, and he fits that description, but uh, a, a kid who, as he learns how to use his size, as he learns how to become a power forward with the frame he has, the mindset he has, he's another one where you just got to set the mark and say, go here, and, and he's going to make it happen. So um, when you look at depth guys like that who have the potential to help right away as well, that have that kind of attitude, that means you're going to have a locker room that's cohesive. You're not going to have a guy you know, bitching behind the scenes because they're not playing or it's not going their way. Those are the kind of guys who are going to say, you know what, I'm going to have the best practice of my year. I'm going to prove coach wrong. And, and those guys typically find their way in the lineup and they don't let it go. Um, and a really, really good example of that was Chris Hedgecoke last year. He didn't get his opportunities the first few games. He got in and there was no way I could take the kid out. Yeah. You know, and that's what you want. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Chris Fritz because I did a feature story on his skating coach, Crystal Rowe. Yeah. And, uh, and she had him come in as a, a demonstrator on a couple of things and, um, what a great kid, what a great personality, and what a yeah. hard worker. I mean, he was, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Uh, everything that she asked him to do, he did. Uh, I asked him to do a couple of uh, snow sprays on me for a little uh, thing we were working on, and uh, he jumped right into that. So you got a good one right there. There's no doubt about it. But um, I'm excited right now. Can I come and play for you? Because you just convinced me that this is a place to go. <laughs> well, you know, Scott, we do have limited spots. and uh... <laughs> Yeah, but, but Coach, I want to be a Wildcat. <laughs> you, you got me. You got me. <laughs> uh, coach Berman, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, always great to talk hockey with you. Um, you know, I know this stuff is going to get better because uh, sooner or later, everybody's going to either have had it or or, yeah. or something because uh, it's crazy. But I hope that things get started uh, as soon as possible. And, and I know you guys all have contingency plans, so we'll talk to you down the road. But thanks we for joining mention, us. We should mention that uh, the, the team store that you got that Arizona has. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With. Why don't you touch on that? How, how that come together real quick, and how can people get some uh, University of Arizona gear? Yeah, we appreciate that. Um, we'll be we'll be relaunching that again here uh, very soon. Uh, I think it's another good example about uh, when adversity happens, you have to search for the opportunities, and so um, that's a great way for us to generate revenue for the program. Uh, and like our fan base has been asking for jerseys and shirts and hats for a long time, and we haven't had a way to. Um, to kind of create it online. There's been some licensing challenges that come along that with university stuff. So you, you got to navigate through that stuff and make sure uh, that everything's up to par. Um, but with the extra time here, that was, I think that's what I'm proud of is, is our group between myself, um, Troy Vaughn and Tanner Harris. We've got a really nice group of people here that, that work hard together and are genuine about the process. And we said, well, what, what opportunity is here? Um, and we saw it as an opportunity to not, not only get that apparel out to our fans, 
um, but also generate some revenue for the program at a time where, let's face it, we're all trying to figure out how we're going to afford this stuff um, uh, through it. So we got to get creative and you got to adapt. And um, again, I, hopefully we're showing our players we don't just preach that to them when it's difficult it's a five on three late in the game. Uh, I'm showing them through COVID and, and whatever else it is. Look, this is, this is how you have to face adversity. You have to find the opportunity. And if you do, you'll accumulate a heck of a lot more great things than negative. Very well said. That's why he's my co-host, because he gets up all the stuff that I forget about, Coach. So he's done, <laughs> he's so done look, a great job. Before look, you for go, our, look for our social media and our website. That'll be launching again here soon, and uh, we hope to do it throughout the year at two-week increments. So it'll be um, – if you don't catch it, look for the next wave, and um, we'll, we're going to hopefully keep doing this and uh, selling more apparel. Sounds great. Before you go, give us a, a Stanley Cup winner. Who's going to win the whole thing? Oh, boy. Um, I don't want to go too cliche, but I just keep feeling like Tampa Bay's on the door. Boston's on the door. Boy, Carolina looks pretty good. Um, Cooper, you know, what? Cooper's a Michigan guy. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay. You heard it first folks right there. Uh, coach Berman, thanks for joining us. Uh, Steven and I will, uh, wrap things up here in about two minutes. All right. Thanks guys. Tickets for Arizona hockey are now on sale. Support your Wildcats as they battle ASU for another Cactus Cup championship and more at the Tucson Arena. Your hockey team, your Arizona Wildcats. Call 791-4101 for tickets now. All right, Stephen, you can't uh, you can't argue the enthusiasm at the University of Arizona with Coach Berman. Uh, he he was jacked up. I think we could have got another half hour with that, but <laughs> it's time to wrap things up. So uh, give us your read, and uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will take us away as they always do. I get. What are we gonna do about a trivia? Are we gonna give something away? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I already did that on the other show, so we're good there. Okay, cool. Then we'll just go right to this. Uh, we want to remind folks that Club Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, presenting partner of the new season of Sunday Specials, voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona. Go ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you about the summer trucks and SUV sales. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best in Las Vegas two years running. Call us at 702-541-5546 or go to jesseraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue is all about the butt. By M-Drive, proud partner of what drives you. Look for new episodes twice a month at icetimehockeysw.com. M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. By Summer Skates, shower shoes, koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com. Win your... So, oh, let's skip on that. Cold beers and cheeseburgers, the place for fresh made to order burgers and more. Find one of our 12 Valley locations near you at coldbeers.com, also in Southern California. By OxyPal, clean your gear, clean your skin with our all natural cleaning products at oxypal.com. Sprint, a brighter future for all. See Andre in Paradise Valley at Cactus and Tatum and let him find you the right deal, although it might be T Mobile now, but still it's the, the same guys. Behind the Mask, the Valley's hockey shop for over 25 years. Go to BehindTheMask.com and see what the new season has in store for you. By College Bar and Grill, call 480-588-6451 to pick up dinner on the way home. College Bar and Grill, by ASU fans, for ASU fans. 
Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop, for all of your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and find the award-winning bottle that suits your style. By the ice stand, Scottsdale and Chandler. Check our websites for skating session availability and requirements. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at iTunes, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest.com network. Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Very well done in a, a quick moment there. So, um, We'll be back tomorrow night to talk a little NHL hockey on our special uh, podcast series. Welcome back to Hockey 2020. Stephen Marsh, thanks for uh, bringing it, as you always do. Um, we will say goodnight with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and see you all tomorrow and, of course, next week for another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm sorry, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm on the wrong day. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. You're doing all. You're working nine straight days. I, I would get it confused too. All right. All right. Let's say good night with Roger, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. Be safe.